Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. Dearly beloved, it is good for us to be here and such a privilege to break the bread of life together once again as we continue in our series on the faith, what it takes to keep the faith. We started the year earnestly contending for the faith. And then we grappled with the question that Jesus asked, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And he put the word really in there. Will I really find faith on the earth? And our answer has to be yes. And then we looked at the Canaanite, Syrophoenician woman, where Jesus said, O oh woman, great is your faith. We then talked about the question, when is little faith no faith? We then, with the disciples, journeyed through the text where they asked Jesus to increase their faith. We then looked at the testing of our faith, and our example was Job. What an example. And then we talked about what it means to walk by faith. And so as we come to the end of our faith journey, the admonition today will be stay in the faith. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you today for the measure of faith that you've given to each of us. And truly our faith looks up to thee today, O Lamb on Calvary. God, we don't come asking you to increase our faith because we know we already have enough faith. You've given to each of us the measure of faith. We understand that we increase our faith by exercise. We increase our faith by walking by faith and not by sight. We increase our faith by saturating our minds and our spirits with your word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, Lord God, as we come together around your word today, I pray that you would release faith into every household, into every room, into every car, into every place that this word goes. Watch over your word according to your promise to perform it. Let there be a performance today as we release faith into the atmosphere. And may your people forever be steadfast and unmovable, staying in the faith. We seal this word now. Let it be settled in heaven as we settle it on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. And by him, we give thanks and say, amen. I want to begin with a question. I, I was struck by a question that Tim Cook, it's kind of a question and a statement. Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, was recently in Davos, Switzerland at the World Economic Summit. And he says something that caught my attention, and it's relevant 
to staying in the faith. Not that Tim Cook is a man of faith. I don't know whether he is or whether he isn't, but this question is relevant. It's universal. He said, too many people are still asking the question, how much can we get away with? How much can we get away with? When they should be asking, what are the consequences? I find that, I find that to be profound. Too many people are asking the question, how much can we get away with? when they should be asking the question, what are the consequences? And in life, too often decisions are made without consideration of the consequences. And those are the decisions that we all have made a few, and some more than a few, that we live to regret. But if we were to ask the question about the consequences up front, there are some roads we would have never traveled and in order to stay in the faith, it requires examination. It requires introspection and reflection. It requires the fear of God. It requires some guidelines and some boundaries and some rails. And in this age where anything goes in the name of freedom and in the name of liberty, those of us who name the name of Jesus know that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And there is no liberty in just doing your own thing. That is bondage. It feels like I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want to do. That sounds like freedom, but that's bondage. The world has perverted truth in such a way that up has become down. Light has become darkness and lies appear to be truth. But we want to impart the word of God in a way that will compel you to stay in the faith. It's not enough to come to faith if you don't stay in the faith. There are, there are things that can disqualify us. God would never cast us away, but I can disqualify myself by walking away. And if I am of the mindset that I want to know what I can do and get away with, that is someone who frustrates the grace of God. And we should never frustrate the grace of God. Yes, it is true. Where sin abounds, grace does abound more. But shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Let's go to our text is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. And it reads, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you, know, that you will know that we are not disqualified. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth as they are struggling with 
perverse doctrine. People telling them that it doesn't take all that. And putting the apostles down. And Paul is saying, you need to examine yourselves. Don't worry about all this other stuff, all this noise that's going on. Whether you are in the faith, are you following a doctrine that allows you to do as much as you perceive you can get away with? You need to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith and then test yourselves. Don't you know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? If you know that for yourself, then that ought to govern your lifestyle. This debate ought not to be a debate. And while we're talking, while I have your ear, I hope you know for yourself that we're not disqualified, that we're in the faith. And what I'm asking of you is to follow me as I follow Christ. I wouldn't lead you astray. I would not do anything to disqualify myself. Paul has said in another place, I don't want to preach the gospel and myself be a castaway. I am not in this race to lose. I'm running this race with patience because I have an end goal in mind. I want to finish my course with joy. With all the persecution and everything I go through, I know you think that that doesn't appear to be what God ought to be like. It ought to be nice, and every day ought to be Sunday, but in the world, we're going to have tribulation. You need to know that you're in the faith even as you go through those tribulations. And I want you to know today on record, Paul is saying, I'm not disqualified, but you need to test yourself. You ought to examine yourself, and every one of us need to have an examination. I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow, and he's going to examine me. He's going to want to know something about my history. And Paul is saying, we need to do that ourselves so that we will be certain that we're in the faith. You're not as likely to be led astray if you know for yourself that you're in the, in the faith. It doesn't mean that you lead a life that is without mistakes, but it means that I stay in the faith by coming back to God by repentance. And true repentance breaks our hearts so much that you're not inclined to go through this cycle that's vicious over and over and over again. And so today, I want to declare unto you that it's the will of God that we stay in the faith. There's freedom in the faith. There's joy in the faith. There's peace in the faith. There's righteousness in the faith. There's holiness in the faith. There's compassion in the faith. There's life everlasting in the faith. There are things that we receive in the faith that we can't get anywhere else. The things that the world offer are perishing. It's not lasting. It feels good for a time, but then the pain comes, and then you're trapped. The fallacy that is a risk for every one of us who have been given the gift of free will is that I can do whatever I want. And 
the consequences are something that is an afterthought. Well, I want to tell you something that some of you probably already know. You are free up until the point of a decision. And once you make that decision, you are controlled by that decision, whether it be good or whether it be bad. That is a principle. It's universal. It's a fact. It's like the question that Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, pondered. I want to develop this message by looking at a parable. And parables are interesting because you could have 100 people look at the same parable, 50 in the faith, 50 outside of the faith, all educated, all intellectually equals, let's say. But to those who are in the faith, it's given to know the things, the principles of the kingdom. Those outside the faith, it's not given. It isn't. And even though by worldly standards, they're equal. They're all, they all went to Ivy League schools, let's say. But there are just some things that you can't see. And so when I'm in the faith, my faith becomes sight. When I'm out of the faith, there's a veil over my eyes. And so I'm going to make decisions that are contrary to my well-being. I am like one who staggers at the noonday, groping as though it's dark and it's noonday, spiritually. And so let's first look at the context of a parable, because a parable always has a subtext, and that subtext teaches us how to live and how to behave. And if you miss that, you miss the point of the parable. And even Jesus' disciples said, why do you always speak in parables? We don't understand what it means. And in Mark 4, verses 10 through 12, he has a conversation with them, which I think is relevant and important for us to listen in on today. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. It's good to be alone with Jesus. When we're alone with him, we get insights that we can't otherwise get. Like the people at Corinth who were distracted by the noise, all kinds of things coming at them. And now they're at a point where Paul says that you're at risk. You better examine yourself to make sure that you are in the faith. Don't be like those who have itching ears who want to hear what they want to hear and reject everything else. And so while they're alone with Jesus, they asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is a mystery. But to you who are in the faith, it's been given. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing, they may see and not perceive. And hearing, they may hear and not understand. 
lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So the subtext of all parables is to get to a place where our sins are forgiven. And for those of us who it is given to know the mystery, it is to govern our behavior so that we stay in the faith. It is to develop us in such a way that we grow in grace and in knowledge. To those who are outsiders, they can read the parable a thousand times. They won't get it because it's hidden from them. It is a mystery. Jesus said it is, parables are mysteries, but I'm giving you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. The kingdom of God are not the same, governed by the same principles as the kingdoms of this earth. And that's why so many people run afoul and they jump the curve and get all, off on the wrong track when they're so invested in the kingdoms of this world and they base their theology on that. To those, I say, examine yourself and make sure that you're in the faith. You need to know if you're qualified or disqualified. We have one king and his name is King Jesus and everything, the government rests on his shoulders and he's wonderful. He's a counselor, he's a mighty God, an everlasting father and the prince of peace. One of the reasons there is no peace is because people are not in the prince of peace. I pray that the spirit of Jehu would fall upon this ministry and everybody associated would fall upon the church in the days of Ahab when the prophet Elijah was running for his life, God told him to anoint Jehu and Elisha while he was hiding in the cave. And he said, anybody who escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha is going to get him. He's saying, I'm going to put people in government who are going to take the enemies of God and deal with them. And if they miss them, I'm going to catch them in the prophetic realm. I'm going to have someone who flows in the prophetic who is able to stamp out the spiritual wickedness. The problems that we face in the world are not so much civic or even social. They manifest in those realms, but they're spiritual. And when Jehu approached where Jezebel was, he said, she said, do you come in peace? And his answer was, there is no peace as long as there is witchcraft and harlotry in the land. And he said, who's on my side? And they gave Jezebel up. They threw her off the wall. And exactly what God said was going to happen was going to happen. Why am I saying this? God is looking for somebody who's in the faith who knows how to correct the spiritual issues that plague us in the land and in the world. And those who are disqualified, who are not in the faith, who are looking at temporal things, are fighting a battle that can't be won. And so God is challenging us to make certain that we're in the faith because he's doing something. And he's speaking to those who know the mystery, the mystery, 
but he's also speaking to those who are outside because he wants you to turn. He wants you to turn and perceive and to be forgiven of your sins. We all need to be forgiven and we all need to stay forgiven. That's how we, that's why we stay in the faith. So hopefully you get the backdrop of the parable, the insight that Jesus gives us in Mark chapter four. I wanna use a parable to bring home the point of staying in the faith that's found in Matthew 25. And I'm just gonna read portions of it. It's about the wise versions and the foolish virgins. You know there are 10 virgins and they, they both, they all, both sets, the five wise, the five foolish, were spoken to as one. All 10 of them had the same assignment. And one of the things that unveils the mystery of a parable is in verse one of chapter 25. Jesus says, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10. They weren't broken up into camps, five wise and five foolish. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave for the whole world. But in his foreknowledge, he knows that there are some who will be wise and some who will be foolish. Because we have free will, it requires submission to the will of God in order for us to receive the wisdom that comes from heaven. But if I choose in my free will, the gift that God gave me to make decisions that take me out of the faith, then I'm free to do that. But it leads me in a path that puts me in the category of the foolish. And God takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. That means some people who are, were behaving foolishly, who now turn to God, God will use their foolishness to confound the wise. The wise of this world who resist him. The point is there's, there are two types of wisdom and there are two types of foolishness. There's wisdom that comes from above and there's wisdom that's earthly, it's sensual. It follows the things that we desire in our flesh. It's sensual. And then there's foolishness that is willfully disregarding the truth, willfully disregarding the things of God and choosing my own way, me developing my own truth to justify the rejection of the truth of God. And then there's the type a foolishness where someone realizes that I have played the fool. And they realize that before it's too late. Saul, the first king of Israel, came to the conclusion that I play, played the fool. 
after God had torn the kingdom away from him. There was no repentance at that point. The good news is for us, anyone who comes to him, he said, not one will I cast out. So there's some who start out in the camp of foolish, who turn to God, and God will take that foolishness to confound the wise because the wisdom of God, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of this world. Verse two says, now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, what does this signify spiritually? All 10 have vessels, but only five of them have oil, and the other have no oil. After this, all of them went, fell asleep. There are times in our walk, every one of us, I don't care what your title, I don't care how holy you are, you have moments of sleepwalking. You have moments of sleep. That's why the Bible says it is high time that we awake out of sleep because now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. So they all, they had that in common, but their sleep didn't deprive the wise because they had oil. And when they were awakened out of sleep, they were ready. Oil in the vessel, a lamp in those days, a lamp by itself didn't give light. It contained it. You needed oil for the fire to come and for the light to illuminate the room. And an empty vessel, an empty vessel, spiritually speaking, is a person that outside has all the accoutrements of a believer, of, of the faith, all the accoutrements, but there's no oil in the vessel. You need oil. This is depicted well in the days of the prophet Elijah, when a widow was about to bake a cake and die for her and her son. It's all she had was a little flour and some oil. And Elijah said, he didn't tell her to reproduce the flour. He said, reproduce the oil. He said, get your sons, gather them, tell them to go to your neighbors, get ve borrow vessels and not a few. Borrow vessels and not a few. And he poured out that little bit of oil and the oil never stopped flowing until there was no longer a vessel. I want you to know that that's how the kingdom work. As long as there's a vessel that's willing to be a vessel of honor, the oil flows. The oil flows, but if you don't present that vessel to the master, there's no oil to flow. As long as the sons of that widow brought vessels to Elijah, the oil flowed. But when they said there are no more vessels, the oil ceased. And so these five wives had their vessels full of oil, and none of the oil was released or depleted while they slept, but the, the foolish ones had no oil. And when the bridegroom came, suddenly there was a knock on the door and the bridegroom came. 
And they woke up and there was no oil found in the lamp of the foolish. And so there was no light to guide them. And they said one to another, the foolish to the wise, give us some of your oil. And they said, no, lest we don't have enough for ourselves. Go and buy some oil. I want you to know there's some things that money can't buy. And even though they went out and tried to get it, it was too late because the bridegroom had come. And those who were found with oil in their vessel, those are the ones who were in the faith. They went to the feast of the bridegroom. I don't know about you, but I need oil in my vessel. I need the oil to be flowing. I want the oil to overflow. I want to say to you today, by the word of God, you shall be anointed with fresh oil. God sent fresh oil to every vessel, every vessel, not a few. May we continue to present ourselves as vessels of honor to the master whose oil never runs out. It never runs out. All he needs is a vessel. The vessels run out, but the oil don't run out. The vessels run out, but the oil will never run out. And so I want to continually be a vessel that the master can pour oil into. The difference between the wise and the foolish comes down to the subtext here is the oil. The oil made the difference. Just as in the days of Elijah, it wasn't the flour as much as it was the oil because they made the one cake, but the oil provided a living, a way to sustain the widow. I want you to know the oil that's in your vessel will sustain you. It's not enough just to have the lamp. That looks good. You look the part. You all, all 10 of them had a lamp, but the difference was the oil. God, somebody needs some fresh oil today. Somebody's oil is depleted. Somebody's oil is running out. Somebody sprung a leak in their vessel. God, patch up the vessel and let the oil flow. Let it flow freely again. Oh my God, let us see how important it is. In order for us to stay in the faith, to have the oil flowing, we need the oil. God, we need you to pour it out. Pour it out like water, that we would never be dry, that we would never run out. And even if we fall asleep, when you wake us out of sleep, let us be found with oil. Let us be found with oil that we know we're in the faith. One of the ways you can test yourselves, one of the ways we examine ourselves is there oil in your lamp. You know there's oil when your light is shining. There was no light that was sustained without the oil. The, light, the lamp will just flicker. But if you want the light to stay on, you need the oil. You need the oil. My light can't shine without oil. You'll know when I'm out of oil because the light grows dim. And it goes, grows dim first and then it goes to darkness. If there's going to be light, if we're going to be light of the world, we've got to be in the faith. And we've got to be having oil consistently poured in. When virtue goes out, the master is in heaven replenishing, pouring out the oil, pouring out the oil. He wants us not to just contain it 
but to pour out. That's why Paul says, my life is a drink offering. Pour it out on the altar of sacrifice. Don't be afraid to pour it out, but you got to know you've got to be an open vessel for him to fill it up. Go get, a ve- go get vessels, not a few. And as long as there were vessels, there, were, there was oil to flow. Stay in the faith. Examine yourself to know that you are in the faith. There are, there was an inventor by the name of Lewis Latimer and didn't get a whole lot of shine. Thomas Edison is the person who's credited with the light, the lights that are in this building, the lights that are in your building. But there was a young man in Massachusetts who if he wasn't a part of the equation, these lights would just flicker. They wouldn't stay on. Thomas Edison tried 2,500 times to solve the problem of spontaneous combustion, and all he could get was a flicker, like the the foolish virgins who woke up with no oil. But Lewis Latimer came to his lab, and he developed the filament, which allows the light to stay on. What does that have to do with staying in the faith? One of the reasons God sent, the Lord sent out the disciples two by two is because we're helpers of one another's faith. We started out on this journey of faith, talking about earnestly contending for the faith. And one of the things that Jude admonished us to do was to pull some out of the fire, hating their garments that were spotted. God has brought us full circle Some of you are full of oil. It's not enough for you to have oil. What if the five wise virgins, virgins, before they went to sleep, would have said to the foolish virgins, you know what? I noticed you're low on oil. You're going to need the oil because you know the light can't shine in the lamp without the oil. Get the oil. In the body of Christ, we see to it that we have oil. My God, if you sent somebody's oil going low, you don't just boast because you have oil and they don't. We're in this race together. There's a cloud of witnesses saying you can do it, you can make it, and we are helpers of one another. That's why Paul encouraged the saints at Corinth to examine yourself. I hope you know Paul said that we're not disqualified. The ones with me, they're not disqualified because together we pour into one another. I know there's oil in their lamps because I'm pouring it into them. I know there's oil in my lamp because they're pouring into me. We're not categorized and divided into camps. Even though the devil is doing his best to divide the church, the devil is a liar. God is gathering. God is gathering. I know you see lots of scattering, but if you look throughout the book of Acts, there was always scattering before there was gathering. There was persecution that caused the church to scatter so that God could gather them, so that the word of God could prevail, 
so that God could add to the church, so that God could multiply. We're in a season of gathering, and it's going to take the people of God to make sure that if you see someone whose garment is spotted, that you are moved with compassion and with love, take the spots off. If you see someone whose oil is low, that you make sure that that vessel receives the oil that they need. We're not in this alone. We're in this together. Yes, we all answer to God for ourselves, but this faith, the ecclesia of God, those who are called out, we have an inheritance among those who are sanctified. That means everybody who's called out has the same inheritance. You don't want them to miss their inheritance. There's enough for you, there's enough for me. There's no competition in the kingdom. There's room for everyone. There's room at the cross. There's plenty. Our God is a provider. He has everything that we need. And if somebody's going through trouble, he'll be their protector. He'll fight for them. He is our all and our all. Stay in the faith. Don't let anything cause you to go to the right or to the left. Stay in the faith. Stay in the faith. If there was ever a time to keep the faith, today is the time. When you're keeping something, you're guarding it. You're making certain that no one takes it away. When I say keep the faith, it's not a cavalier slogan. It is an admonition from the bottom of my heart that every time you hear those words come out of my mouth, that God would anoint them and inspire you to keep the faith and encourage you that when your steps slide, may God enlarge your feet. May he keep you walking on a straight path. May he keep you in the way that you should go. May you know your purpose. May you walk in your destiny. May no one ever pull you away from the faith. I bind up every false doctrine, everything that comes into your hearing that is not wholesome, that does not promote the things of God, that is not about the Spirit of God. May they all be canceled. May they be muted. May God turn the wisdom of those who would pervert you backwards. God, turn their wisdom backwards. I pray today, God, that straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to life, that we would all find it. God, I know that few in the world shall find it, but you promised that unto us you've given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And God, I also prophesied to the outsiders, saying today, you can know the mysteries if you would just turn to him. The key is turning to him. Repentance simply means to turn. If you would turn right now, he'll unlock the mysteries of the kingdom and the things that you have not been able to see because of the veil that's over your heart. The veil that is over your heart causes your eyes only to see in a certain direction. He wants to lift that veil today. He wants you to come to the faith. And then he wants you to stay in the faith. And then he wants you to keep the faith.
I want to pray with you right now. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for inspiring your people, encouraging your people to stay in the faith. The accuser of the brethren, God, the one who stands before you accusing us day and night, you're able to keep him back. You're able to stop the hand of the enemy for all of those who come to you, who love you, who fear you. And God, even though it is so that many are the afflictions of the righteous, you deliver them out of them all. Somebody's afflicted. And they're wondering, they're weighing in the balance, is it worth it? But God, I pray right now that you would rush in. Let the wind of the Spirit rush in right now and let them know that you hold them in the hollow of your hand. That there's a lesson in what they're going through. Open their eyes, reveal the mysteries to them right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for those who are outside of the gates of the kingdom that the gates would open wide, open up the gates of heaven for them to come in, touch their hearts that they might turn. And God, I pray that you would prepare the hearts of your people whose lamps, whose vessels are full of oil to begin to pour into them that their, their vessels might be full. Teach us your ways, O oh God. Bring us together that we might be one as we endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. May we walk by faith and not by sight. May we keep the faith and may we forever stay in the faith until we're in your presence. We're your bride, you're the groom, and when you come, God, we wanna be found without spot wrinkle or blemish or any such thing that you might according to your word present to yourself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle we say it is so and so it is in jesus name and now may the lord bless you may the lord keep you may the lord be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance unto you and give you peace. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.